after fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Melbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they've had the backs of every hardworking tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the work site. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. You're listening to Gloves Off Hockey with your host, Mike Milbury. Well, hello, Ben. How are you today? Doing well, Mike. Happy to have you back. Vacation treated us both well, and now we both get to freeze to death. Yeah, pipe cracking cold. That's what he said. And that is an accurate and scary description. What happened to global warming? (laughs) It's not warm enough anymore. It's too cold now. Man. Well, and neither are the Bruins, speaking of not being warm. Uh, This past week, it became clear that maybe they were just a little too hot. Three games down south. All losses, although they did manage to grab a point against Florida in the overtime loss. First time this year, three in a row after an historic start. So what happened? What didn't happen was a lot of goal scoring. They scored normally around four goals a game. And in Tampa, a good team playing better now, looking like they want to contend again. Two goals, 0 for 2 on the power play. Then they moved on, and, and really, they lost that game because, you know, it was a fluky play. Carlo backed into Olmark, who was, along with Vasilevsky, were the two stars of the game for me. But he backed into Olmark and knocked him down, and Olmark had no chance on a blistering slap shot by Hedman that was the game winner with just uh, about six minutes to go. They move on to Florida. Florida was playing a back back-to-back situation. They managed to score three goals, but they also managed to blow the game with 1.4 seconds left. And then 17 seconds later in overtime, Florida won it. I mean, that had to be discouraging. Once again on the power play, 0 for 3. Then they move on to Carolina, second night of back-to-backs. They score one goal and look awful. They're 0 for 6 on the power play. This was, if it weren't for, for Omark, this would have been a much higher score for Carolina. And, and I think I think anybody that watched the game would agree with that. Allmark was just terrific. So they go 0 for 11. Maybe it was 12. I mean, might have missed a power play somewhere. But anyway, not good for a team that scores on one out of every four power plays that they get. Six goals in total for a team um, that usually gets four per game. So something's gone wrong. What didn't happen was lousy goaltending because, as I just mentioned, Olmark was just terrific, and Swayman in Florida was terrific. The game winner in overtime ricocheted off of the stick of Hampus Lindholm. But, you know, it was a good show by the goaltenders, an encouraging show. So this, they've gone the whole half season, despite Swayman's little bump at the beginning, proving that they're ready to play. Um, what did happen in the road trip was – a variety of careless turnovers. No shortage of guilty players. I mentioned Carlo. Postenok was another one that was sloppy with the puck. Um, what also happened was a t- there was a ton of odd man rushes against the Bruins. Definitely due in part to an emphasis on including the defense because it's, it's a lot of work for a defenseman to get up and then get back and play his position. But, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, I guess. And what didn't happen was a lot of sharp 
defensive awareness. They were backing in, gave a lot of space for opponents, particularly in the overtime game when there's a lot of space. Um, I didn't check the faceoff percentage, but it, it, it was if it wasn't down, it was uh, a lot of untimely losses. And so what, what was revealed on the road trip? Concern for Brandon Carlo. Did that slap shot he took off the foot really impact him? Was he just trying to fight through it? It was a really rough go for him. I think it illustrated the need for depth. I think Don Sweeney's going to need to get another forward. Maybe we miss Jake DeBrusque more than we thought we'd miss him. Um, and definitely fatigue was a factor. Um, Bergeron talked about it after the last game. And, you know, as productive as they are, given the schedule, the Bruins are going to need some help. They're going to need some help on defense. They're going to need some help up front because in the next after this break, Ben, there's a break of nine days after tonight, the All-Star break and whatever break they call it. But they play an absurd schedule. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about 31 games in 62 days for the rest of the way. They have uh, two days off once, three days off once, and the rest are either back-to-back or every other day. I don't know what team can handle that and then go into – the postseason and try to knock off four rounds, but it's going to be an interesting observation to see how Jim Montgomery handles his bench. And I think he's going to have to start using more players. I mean, we got Jacobs Borrell, who I haven't been a big fan of, but you got to get him in there. He's been sitting there for, you know, 10 weeks. hasn't played a game, you know, get Strawman involved somehow if you can, and, you know, find out what's out there in the trade market and, and start to get a little bit busier. But I don't like this. The all-star break bothers me. I mean, I know people like the, you know, the stars come out and everybody gets dressed up and the sponsors are there. And But this is nine days. Imagine if you could spread those days off, Ben, through the 62 games that there's, or 62 days that they're playing at the end of the season, give them a chance to just recover. I mean, this is insane what we're putting them through. And we're putting them through it because they want to have a dog and pony show in Florida. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? I couldn't agree more. I mean, you look at the schedule, and it's hard to tell. Is this a professional NHL schedule, or is somebody counting by twos? I mean, it yeah. literally looks like that. The entire month of February, they're playing, and the boys are going to be stacked up against it. I mean, not exactly easy teams either. Yeah, no, and, and not all home games. I mean, they travel to the a Western Canadian swing or a West Coast swing, and then they come back and they have a, a Midwest swing with Chicago, Detroit, Winnipeg, and I don't know who the hell else, Minnesota, right. So so it's it's a jam-packed schedule. Hopefully they can win this one tonight, set the, the ship right. They don't have Austin Matthews, the Maple Leafs, or without him, and Matt Murray in goal, but they're playing pretty well. They can pull within nine points of the Bruins for first in the conference. It's still a big lead, but it's becomes less insurmountable. So they're going to be ready to rock and roll in Toronto. I, I have no doubt about that. And maybe the Bruins, with two days off, can rediscover the game that made them so incredibly hot. But either way, that nine day nine days off is going to be an interesting time period for them to see what they do with it and see how they respond. But, you know, we got a great guest coming up, Ben. Uh, we've had him before, Kevin DuPont. And um, I want to get to him as soon as possible. So let's get a break in and... Kevin DuPont next. Let's do it right here on Gloves Off Hockey on 1510 WMEX. Don't you touch that dial. 
All right, Kevin Dupont, my guest. You're you're today in Toronto, is that correct? I am. Yes, indeed. And, and and I haven't been there in a long time, but the last time I was there, I just I was stunned by how grown up it had become. I mean, it was just sprawling all over the place, right? I mean, it's just trying to get from the airport to the hotel downtown is a chore. Yeah, much has changed since you were here last night. They, they have talk talking movies now. Uh, <laughs> not many horses yeah. left. Yeah. Is King Clancy still there? <laughs> no, yeah, but it, uh, it, you... yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. Uh, I would say from the time you and I started uh, on the beat, if you will, going back to the mid and late 70s, the two greatest transformations in terms of cities in Canada unquestionably vancouver and toronto uh and and you know they're both great great cities uh i i, I grow tired of the, of the constant reach to the sky and constant skyscrapers in both cities but such is life in both of those towns they're still great towns i i like it i like a lower uh profile against the sky i guess yeah well i mean yeah both places have changed but i i do miss Maple Leaf Gardens, where he had, you know, Harold Ballard and King Clancy sitting in that little box <laughs> on the side it was really, it was kind of otherworldly then, wasn't it? Well, the whole thing, I mean, you, you know, we we could tie up the whole show, I guess, on those old buildings. But yes, I mean, that it, 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 you know, not only how you know, Ballard sort of stuck in that little corner like some Muppet character, uh, but also just if you remember, everybody like every usher in the place was minimum age 85 years old so <laughs> he, he had all he, he and, and god love him i guess he had hired all veterans and stuff so it was really it, it was really like walking into this you know old, old man's museum in so many ways but those buildings with the steep sight lines and the intimacy of it and the, and the crowd being into it boy i just yeah. uh i, I found yeah. myself thinking back on that uh, on that uh, era when I was writing about uh, Bobby Hull's passing, just the the intimacy of the crowd and the connection to the product that we all felt. Yeah, well, we, you know, you were on. I was on the bench, or either coaching or or playing. Yeah. And there was nothing between you and the fans right behind you. I mean, they could reach out and touch you. In some cases, tried to, but it was it was. I mean, that is the very definition of intimacy in a in a sports venue. Yeah, and uh, and let's not forget too, uh, and and you had a, you had a hand in changing some of this, is that the glass was very low all around the rink, and, and that began to change after that melee in uh, Madison Square Garden in '79. But so people were close, and they could you know literally in some aspects reach out and touch the product. Not that that was always good, uh, but yeah, it, I would say by and large, what what's from an architectural standpoint with these new buildings, which have, you know, obviously great selling points, but uh, by and large, the, the disappearance of steep sight lines. Although I, I was paying attention to that just the other day when I was in Montreal, the, the new building there or the newer building there, the the Bell Center, they preserve those steep sight lines rather than the, those flat bowls. And it, it does make a big, big difference in hockey. It, it's a, uh... That building in Montreal is spectacular, I think. And the atmosphere is, is, fa is fantastic as well. I mean, he, one of the best atmospheres in the business. But in any event, enough for intimacy and atmosphere. Let's get to our 
local team. They take a jaunt to the south of the continent, and uh, all of a sudden, three straight losses, and I guess somebody put it, the sky is falling, right? Um, <laughs> but they, they, they lose three in a row. But and I'd like to go through the games if you. I hope you yeah. watch them all. And, yeah, sure. But, yeah. but, um, because I wanted to see this being their first losing streak. If there was, we could discern some patterns. So start with start with the Tampa Tampa game, which was an excellent game with a bad result. But um, what did you see there? Well, I I thought I thought the Tampa game, even though it was a loss, was very good. Especially, I thought Vasilevsky was terrific. Yeah, uh, he's the best goalie in the league, isn't he? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and consistently, and and let's not forget because of their because of their runs to th- what three consecutive finals, a lot of miles on him. I mean, he's a young guy, but he's big, and anybody who has to play. Uh, the length of seasons that he's had to play that that takes its toll. But yes, right now if I'm grabbing one guy, it's Vasilevsky, and um, so I thought that game. I, I I you know not to not to leapfrog ahead of you here, Mike, but I would say of, of the three, the only one that really disappointed me was in in how they played was the last one, Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought you know they, they had 39 shots on Vasilevsky in Tampa. And he made some spectacular saves, as did Omar, by the way. I mean, he yes. was he was good in both games that he played. I mean, absolutely. We'll get to the Carolina performance in a bit, but um, but what I saw on that first goal, which was a power play goal, it looks like the Bruins were really overplaying Kucherov to the extent that they left Hagel all by himself. I mean, completely alone in front of the net, which you just can't do. He had he could have had a cup of coffee and a donut. <laughs> before he made the move on Allmark. But, I mean, I thought that was a de- clearly a defensive breakdown. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, and I guess that's where we are here. It, when you've when they've put up a record like they have playing 800-whatever-it-is hockey, uh, when, when you see a breakdown like that, it's glaring now. Uh, but- right. And just after that point had a breakaway, it could have easily been 2-0. I mean, a, a Pasternak got caught, you know, a couple times during this trip, but, but I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear from you before I put my two cents in. No, I guess, I mean, I, is, is there a pattern to those breakdowns? Uh, I, I don't feel it. I, I would say if, if there's anything right now I've detected here in, in these last three games, that there's some fatigue in the product uh, and some of that's physical and mental. I think, I think Carlo needs a break. Oh man, I need a break from Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and the game-winning goal in Tampa, yeah. he's knocked into Allmark, who's got no chance. And Hedman was heads-up play by Hedman to just fire the puck on goal. But I mean, he, his awareness was on the entire trip was I thought was lacking, and, and particularly on the game winner. But yeah, he, he needs a rest. And will they ever play Zboril again or? Is Strawman still hanging around, or is he in Providence, or where is he? No, he sort of just skates on his own somewhere, I, and I, that that's an odd one. Uh, but they'll, you know, he's obviously he's got he's got the resume that they'll cut him that slack, and and as you well know, come come playoff time, and there's no cap consequence. Uh, it's come one, come all. So I suspect that's that's their uh, play with him at this point, is they can keep him in reserve. 
as long as he stays. And he is. He's 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 a solid citizen, uh, and he's he's a great number. Put a number on it here, number seven, eight, nine. Come playoff time, you can't have enough of those guys. But the, the one that really is is makes me scratch my head here is the Borel. Uh, he's played two games since mid-November, so we're, you know we're talking ten to eleven weeks now to only have two games. Uh, not good uh, in terms of career development. It's one thing if you're Strawman and you've seen it all, done it all, and the expectation level is to be that you know uh, uh, gorilla tape in the end if you need it. But at this point, Zaboral's got to get games. You got to get. You got to get yeah. reps. You got to get. I mean- they were, so like him, right? established. they were so high on him. They were so high on him. Montgomery talking about him as being one of their best players in training camp. And of course, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt because everybody's playing yeah. great if you're Montgomery. But I think there was some genuine feeling that this kid could was starting to step up. And, and, um, but they just stapled him to the bench. I know they can't, they can't wave him without. I mean, they'd have to wave them, and that means somebody could pick them up, and then they're back into another hole of less defensemen. But they got to use them, don't they? Well, they do. But you, you know, you've coached it, Mike. I haven't. So if you're the if you're Jim Montgomery, and you've got, and I'm I'm sort of making the case against the Borel here, I guess. Uh, as the coach, what do you do? You 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 dress the guys you think give you the greatest chance to win. As trite as cliche as that sounds. And that's that's the that's he's been victimized by that, if you will. Uh, so it's hard to say Jim Montgomery's had any failings when, when the guy's got the league's best record. But I think that's been a little short sighted. It's not like uh, it, it, by my eye anyway, and you may see this differently, that uh, the, the difference between putting Forbert Forbert in there right now, Carlo and bringing in Zaboral. Uh, I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's all that consequential, and it, it would save you from I don't know losing a guy. That might be overstating it, but certainly losing him in terms of being an NHL ready player. Yeah, right. No rhythm. No, no. I mean, can't confidence has to be an issue for somebody that sat there for that long. Absolutely. And let's not forget the last time he got in there, which if I mean, my memory serves correctly, was the LA game on, on the coast. And he only got in there because they dressed 7D that night. Uh, and you know what? Not the worst idea right now. Uh, uh, I probably would have gone with 7D recently when Carlo, remember Carlo got one off the ankle. And this could be in part what explains Carlo's play. He, he took that tough shot against the Ranger game at MSG, uh, hobbled off the ice early, first period. And did come back in the next in the next game and has continued to come up. But I think he's feeling the consequence of that shot. However, long way around this, I I might at this point, given how Carlos playing, if you're going to keep him in there, go with seven D uh, and 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 just go with eleven forwards. Well, that's that's one option. But he was not very good in Tampa or the rest of the trip in Florida. This is game two. First of all, they they scored twice against Tampa Bay. Florida, they got three goals. This is one that got away. I thought their goaltender, their third-string goaltender, Alex Lyon, was um, a big part of the story in this game. They, yeah. they uh, he, was, 
he was terrific, especially early on. I mean, Florida had played the night before, looked like they were still a little sluggish, took them a while to get going. Um, but it was still, uh, it was still, I thought, a sloppy game from the Bruins side of things in terms of defensive play. But it looked as if after Postenark scores with less than a minute to go, that this was going to end it. But then implosion occurred, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and I would say generally in that game, there was more loose ice on the Bruins part in terms of defending, uh, you know, all three zones. I thought there was more loose ice than we've seen in a while from them. Uh, and then that was, that was inexplicable. Uh, and even Montgomery, the next when I, I, I was not at that game, but I was at the next one in Carolina. Montgomery said, you know, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we closed that, uh, close out that game automatically. I, I would say probably, 98% of the teams in the league would close that out after taking one goal lead with less than a minute to go. Um, and against a team, frankly, that's got very fragile confidence. I, I can't, it's hard for me to believe that Florida has been this less than average after such a great year last year. And they went out and made the deal for Kachuk. I really thought they would springboard to higher place. Anyway, that said, yes, I, I, that was an abysmal loss by their, by their standard of this year uh, and very rare, very rare in today's NHL, not to see a team close that out. Yeah. I thought it was a night where the defense was getting caught because they're trying to do too much offensively. I thought that that was part of the reason why there were, there was sloppiness to the play. And I think I saw it in all three games of this trip. And, and I also saw, and this might speak to your comment about fatigue and, I know Bergeron mentioned it after the the um, the game in Carolina, but the coverage was soft. He, the, the overtime coverage three on three was soft. I think it was Lind went off a of Lindholm stick, right? The game winner. Yes. And uh, but he was too far away from his check. I mean, he gave too much time to release the shot, and so I guess what I'm saying to you is that what I'm seeing in the pattern is softer coverage, maybe too much defense getting up into the play. It's causing them some breakdowns and that compounded, of course, by fatigue. Yeah, a, a very good point. And, and one, frankly, that I, I haven't considered as much as you're giving it. But I but when you bring it up, I have to. Which So this leads me to my next my question here. Given that and we're always trying to project ahead of what it's going to be, what it's going to be come come April and May. I, I've, I've gone back and forth on this that I've that I've felt all along that they needed a Kevin Miller type in the equation back there. And they certainly haven't added that. They don't have that in this mix of six, if you will, six plus with Zaboral. Right. You'd like uh, more out of that from Carlo. You'd like more of that from Forbert. You get more from it from Clifton than any of those two guys. You do. And you, you sometimes get it like a, like a snake in the boot for, out of, uh, McAvoy, because he, he 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 can drop guys with some really stiff checks when he when he wants to do that, and obviously he's he's got a far more premium in his game than to be that guy. So where I go back and forth, and I'd be interested in your take on this, is do are they going to need the Miller type to succeed, or is that antiquated thinking by today's game? We're going to get to what they might need and what they what might be available to them in a little bit, but. Let's finish off the trip. They go to Carolina. It's back-to-back. Yep. -back. Um, 
their power play has been unsuccessful in the first game, unsuccessful in the second game. They're usually scoring at about four goals a game. Right now they've got a total of four over two games. And this was a bad one, as you pointed out. I mean, Postanar cuffed up the puck on Ajo's goal for a breakaway. I mean, given it to Ajo, he's on fire. Yep. Pasta does that too often for me, as much as I know you got to give those offensive guys. But you're standing there still at the blue line, and this guy's on you. You got to be sharp. I guess it might be fatigue. I've seen it be from him before. It does annoy me, but I do. You need you need to cut those guys a little extra slack. No question. No, no question. Which is you know what we used to say about Bork a lot too. Bork would give give up some dandies. <laughs> but when you're out there for 24, 25 minutes a game and handling as much as Bork handled it, boo boos are going to happen. Uh, but yeah, you know, Pastor now, he is what he is, right? I mean, he's one of the game's great scorers today or second best at the moment in terms of goal scoring. Um, but some of those, when they're that glaring, they're tough to live with. And at some point, I, I, I think they're, they're happening more with the reconfiguration that he's not out there with Bergeron and Marchand. And he is out there most of the time now with Zaka and Krejci. Uh, I think when he was up, if you will, with that premium line, uh, they, they had, because Bergeron is Bergeron, they're one of the greatest defensive centers in the game. Uh, th- those mistakes got sort of erased quickly or <laughs> as they happened. And I think that's what we're seeing now with Pasternak. He's, yeah. so, well, he's going to have to change his modus operandi there, or Zaka and, and Kretsch, you're going to have to be more aware. Right. So they go to Carolina, they just it was they laid a dud. Allmark was fantastic in the early part of this game. It could have been much worse. Postanar cuffs up a, a, a goal to Ajo. Um, Carlo, again, loses a puck to Jarvis. Jarvis goes in on the breakaway for the 3-0 goal, and they're 0 for 6 on the power play. So I guess what I'm thinking is trends on the road trip. For me, the goalies were fine. Better than fine. There was there was no. You can't point a finger at either goaltender. I don't think. Correct. I thought the defense was paying a price for jumping up. Maybe in terms of decision making. Maybe in terms of you know them getting even further fatigued because it takes a lot to do that and get back play defense. I thought Carlo had the rough trip as we mentioned, and the power play wound up being zero for twelve, and they scored a total of what is it? Six, seven. What? How many goals did they get in this? Three. Four, six. Yeah. Normally, that's that's half their normal output. So right. is that is that a reality? Is this a reality check we're getting, or is this just you know? And and before I forget it, they got nine days. Is it nine days off now after Toronto? Yeah, I mean, they'll be they'll play February one. They don't play again until February eleventh. But they'll come back whatever it is the day day and a half before to, to practice. That's a long time to be off. I mean, it is. A, it, it is, and and normally, I think teams would worry about that. And there's always some sort of a, 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 a an R and R hangover when these teams come out of these sorts of breaks. But, but I would say for the greater good, and especially being the age of their t- top two centers in in Bergeron and Krejci, and given how they're playing right now, and and as you know, it's 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 already been t- the game in Toronto is game number fifty one. Uh, it's it's it it is and it's this is true for every team in the league it is the greatest grind and for my money the greatest grind in north american sports 
Yeah, so, we're going to talk schedule in a second, but let's yeah. stay with Toronto. What Toronto's up next? Yep. Matthews is out of the lineup. Matt Murray's hurt, so it looks like it'll be uh, Sam Sonov, who's had a pretty good year. Um, their defensive record is pretty good. Nylander and Marner are lighting it up, and the Bruins now have clearly, officially, a huge target on their back and no bigger awareness than, than Toronto when they see the Bruins come because they've got, you know, they still get the heebie-jeebies thinking about disasters from years gone by. Right, right. Uh, the only thing I would add to your your assessment of Toronto is Tavares, too. Tavares has had a very good, solid year, and, and uh, that's helped them. Last time the Bruins were here in Toronto, they, I think the final score was 2-1. In fact, I know it was, uh, it, and it was one of the r- rare nights that they, they weren't scoring then either. This was in the thick of that whole Mitch, Mitch, uh, Mitchell thing. Uh, Miller, I should say. And... Um, that reverse the, the only goal they got here last time was what was that it was it was marsh on a power play penalty shot so that's about as that's about as thin a line as you can go with your offense in terms of scoring yeah uh, you know what i think I, i'd be surprised if we don't see a bounce back from the bruins based on the last game because uh that one was so I don't even call it mediocre. It was just so bad. I think that will appeal appeal to their pride here. They do know they've got this 10-day break. And I, I, I suspect we'll see a, a much more concerted effort, especially behind the blue line. All right, Kevin, you're going to take a quick break. Hang in there. We'll be right back at you. Our guest is Kevin DuPont. And Kevin talked about the road trip talked about uh, fatigue setting in um, they're getting their nine days off and then they come back to a horrific schedule I mean it's just terrific schedule that the last 44 nights of the season they play 22 games and they're not all home games I mean yeah. so I I believe that the Bruins need to address a couple of things what you know they, they I really wanted to see them make it a uh, pitch for Bo Horvat because that would have solved an issue now and an issue in the future because Horvat would be a top center and we all know Bergeron and Krejci aren't for this team for much longer but that didn't happen I don't know what the offer was from the Bruins um, but how did you rank that trade by the way Horvat to the Islanders Beauvillier a prospect and a conditional first round pick yeah, I, I always go back to who got the best player, and the no, no question in my mind that the Islanders got the best player. Um, the, the Finnish kid is a prospect. Uh, Beauvillier, I've liked. I've, I've liked whenever I've seen him against the Bruins. I do like him, but Hor- Horvat's a unique player. And I have to believe Lou Lemorel's got some sort of a, a wink and a nod here from the agent to, to give, up what, give up those assets that he's going to be able to sign him. Uh, Would I have liked them? Absolutely. And for the very reason you're talking about is that they've got to start thinking, how do they project forward here post-Kretschy, post-Bergeron in the number one, number two center spot? He's a guy, obviously, everybody likes, I think. I I still don't quite understand why it didn't work out for him in Vancouver, a franchise that by my eye. (laughs) Uh, It is a head scratcher, isn't it? Yeah. 
they, you know, they, they need help. So the, the other name that I've, I've sort of, well, not me, but lots of people, Ryan O'Reilly. I, I, I loved, I loved his game against the Bruins in 2019 in the cup final. Uh, I've been around him enough to get a sense that he'd, he'd be a terrific guy in the room. All what? But what, how old is he now? Isn't he like early mid thirties? He's, uh, he's 32, 33. Uh, and yeah, that, that's, that's certainly he's aging out, but he's not 36, 37. This is sort of the same discussion you can have with Patrick Kane. Um, would I be comfortable signing him, Ryan O'Reilly, for three more years? Yes. Would I be comfortable with Patrick Kane for three or four years? Yes. So those are the types of players. If I was if I was Don Sweeney, I'd be really interested in bring of making deals for with the idea of extending them and keeping them going forward. What have you have you heard anything? semi-solid on the trade rumor front. I mean, I heard the Rangers were interested in Kane. I heard that they were that the Blackhawks were looking for Kako or Lafreniere. Any any sense of that being a possibility? No, yeah, just the, the same rumor stuff that you've heard. Uh, also, Jersey in that mix because Jersey's got so many young kids and, and Tommy Fitz has got a, a good stock of of, of prospects and, and current kids that he could play with if he if he views Kane as that's and I, and I think anybody would or should view Kane as as such a because if you look at that and this is true of the Rangers too but but more so of Devils Devils don't have that guy sort of who really is a, a proven game striking guy uh, that, that Kane is and that, that I think I think Kane on on the Devils makes them grow up even faster than they have been this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But um, so you're talking names like Kane, O'Reilly, Logan Couture is apparently available, but he's got much. He's got time left on his contract, and he's he's like 33 too. I think 32, 33. Yeah, he's up there. Uh, and Barbashev, I was a name that was thrown out. I mean. Do you, how hard do they need to go, and what what assets do they have to give up? Yeah, no, they're going to. Yeah, a very good question, and and, and so the, 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 to to touch back on what we were talking about briefly before in the first segment is, you've got to ask: Are they are they tough enough on the back end? Uh, Montgomery has said he doesn't want two little guys in the six. You, you don't survive with two little guys in your six. Well, they don't have too little. They got one in Grizzly, and Grizzly's been a heck of a player for them this year. Yeah. The, the question being, do you need some real? And this wouldn't be Strawman either. Do you do, do you target that guy like Manson last year? Right in Colorado. And, and, and so, having said that, and I think I agree with him. I like to see and you. I think you're getting to this. You need some. Like to see somebody with toughness. The names that are out there and. Gavrikov in Columbus, Shen in Vancouver. I mean, he's a seventh guy, I guess, maybe right. a sixth. But, I mean, he's cheap price-wise. He's won a couple of cups with Tampa. How do you feel about those guys? Yeah, especially Shen, because Shen, let's not forget, we're asking them, do they have the Kevin Miller type? And that's what Kevin Miller was. He, he was, a, he, he was even though I think his skating was vastly underrated by a lot of people. Uh, the emphasis or the focus of Kevin Miller was really on his uh, 
defensive game and his toughness, but he, he had really, he developed really good wheels. Uh, I, I haven't seen enough of Shen night in night out to know that, but that's, but that's, that would be a, a, a way to address it. Uh, and in terms of assets, I wouldn't give up a lot for him because he is, as you cast him, a six and seven guy, their greatest assets. And I've, I said this at the start of the year, I wrote a column as the season was beginning that I would give up DeBrusque and Carlo to get Kane in at the start of this season, um, and, which is, again, how much I think of Kane. You will, I also, but I, let me let me interrupt you there. Yeah. But is is it possible that we're underestimating DeBrusque? I mean, since he's been out, things haven't gone nearly as well, have they? Well, the last three they haven't, but I think right. they were. I think they were eight and one or eight and two for, for the first 10 games that he was out um, to, to your larger point. He's been better than I thought the coaching change was good for him. I didn't like how he handled it uh, with Cassidy. I didn't like that at all. Uh, asking out, you know, play through it too bad. You don't like the coach too bad. Just go out there and play. Is, is he, he could have he could have performed like this by my eye that the system isn't all that different that it's that, that it's played so well uh, so I, I don't know he, he certainly had he's had a terrific year he finished out that winter classic game with two tough injuries uh so a little tougher than we thought he was but if 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 the right player is there and in my mind it's still patrick kane uh, would I give him up? I know the years in terms of age are, are vastly different, but boy, for a player like that, yes, I would. So Bruins assets to give up right now. I mean, everybody talks about Lysel. I haven't seen him play in Providence, but still a, a good prospect in skate and score. Yeah. Um, would you entertain trading Swayman if for the right guy? <laughs> Oof. I mean, Allmark's only twenty. Right, he's twenty six. Is that what he oh, is? Oh no, he's, he looks like the real deal. And they've got that boosy kid uh, down in Providence. And you're going to need another goaltender if you do that. But if if yeah. likes if, if you know if Vancouver looking maybe looking for a goalie, maybe a change or, or Chicago if they're looking for a goalie and Kane's name comes up and Swayman come up, would you? I mean, you'd have to get your wheels spinning on it anyway, right? Absolutely, you would, and and the, the the toughest trades are when they do make you groan a little bit, right? In terms of because yeah. I, I I really like his game, I really like him, his attitude, um, and he's he's been as advertised or better. I he hasn't he had he had a couple of wrinkles at the start, but it's it's as you know, it's the toughest position of them all. Uh, but I do. I, I I love his size. I love his game. I love his attitude. I wouldn't want to deal him uh, if if you if ultimately I, I was convinced the guy, the guy or package that I was getting was going to come in here and and make them a, a significant favorite. Then it's a different discussion. But I'd be I'd be far more of the mind to fall back on what I was preaching back in September, October. Uh, Carlo, and, and again, I, I like Carlo a ton in terms of his size, his attitude. He's a really good citizen, all of that. But 
Carlo and he's too Rich. nice, Kevin. He's too nice. Well, he is, and that you know what? <laughs> That's exactly what uh, Bruce Cassidy was saying, and early from when when Cassidy took over the job. Nice kid, really nice kid. I wish he would take some mean pills. That's that's what Cassidy said a number of times. And, you know, Mike, there are guys who just don't play that game. Uh, Right. And and he's got some other skills, abundant skills, that allow him not to play that game. But, yeah, a a well-placed cross-check now and then, even even at the cost of two minutes, would 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 be a real could be a real growth spurt for him in terms of uh basically you know classic net defending and making making the other side think this guy's got a little snarl in him so we think we they need another quality winger right that's conclusion one at the trade deadline conclusion two yeah a little beef and as Brian Burke would say, truculence on the back end. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, maybe that's antiquated thinking. Maybe the whole thing now is so, so much skate and shoot. And that's, that's where I hiccup a little on this is they've had great success. The best success in the league without that element. And maybe, and, but maybe I'm kidding myself here. Maybe they get into the spring and, and, and toward the summer and they're still playing and then they don't need it. I don't know. Um, uh, I'm I'm still of the mind, old school enough that I'd like to see it. Okay, scoring off any concern there? Just fatigue. As we speak right now, I don't know. Uh, you know, who who were the great the, the greatest number one scorer? Of course, is Pasternak. I don't see a, a drop off in his in his offensive tactics. He's he's over eager with the puck sometimes, makes some stupid silly mistakes that go the other way. But no, I, I like him. I I I still like him with 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 Marchand and 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 Bergeron better. I I would leave him up there right now. Um, and, but I think most of what we're seeing uh, in these last three games and and Montreal wasn't a dandy by any sense either, which is going back to yeah. uh, is that they're 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 tired. And I also think this is almost like being back in school again. When you see that vacation sitting out there, it can it can work against you. It can say, you know, something we're gonna we're gonna drag our fannies through this thing for the next uh, three, five, seven days, and, and, then we, and then we're going on school vacation. Well, it reminds me of the time of my first year coaching when we won in Hartford on a Wednesday night, and we were coming home to play Calgary, and that was the last game before the All Star break, and we we're in first place and coming off a win, and you know, <laughs> I I went to the rink just to watch some tape. We weren't going to have a practice. We didn't get back from, you know, it was my, I hated going to Hartford. It was seemed like the longest trip ever that we had, you know, two hours down and two hours back after the game, get in at one o'clock. Anyway, I went in and watched tape and I got a call from the office. Uh, Harry would like to see you. And I get into the office and I sit down in front of him. And he says, you think it's over, don't you? <laughs> you think you're on vacation. You think that you think you're at the all-star break. And for like five minutes, he just rails up and down against me. You know, I, yeah. I walked out of there in a full body sweat. It was just crazy. <laughs> I drove home, you know, barely slept, get back to the rink early, 
locked out the media about five o'clock, five thirty, and started screaming at them. You guys think it's over, don't you? <laughs> I think you're on vacation. And we, it was a two-two tie, but it was one of the it was one of the you know the highlights of the season in terms of caliber of play. It was just sensational. And I swear to God, if it weren't for him coming down on me and then me going down on the players, they probably wouldn't have won that game. It was or yeah. tied that game, which when ties could count. But it was a uh, a real indicator, but what do they what do they do about the schedule? Do, do they, does not not say, speak to you that they need a couple more, at least one more forward, and they got to use all of these forwards, at least one more defenseman, whether it's Zaboral or Luke Shen, and they have to start using him in the last six weeks of the season. Otherwise, they're going to be dead by the time. Well, the that's right. Start. That's right. So the, the the larger question here. So they they've, they called up a couple of kids uh, just prior to leaving. Uh, for the game in Toronto, Lauko being one of them, I like him. Uh, the question is whether whether he truly is an NHL player. I don't know. Uh, so maybe they'll get him in there. They they called up this Letary kid. Unfortunately for him, he finally gets a break. He gets called up and he got hurt in practice. So he won't be playing in Toronto. That, that that's a tough one. So I think what you're going to see, I, I would I would expect you're going to see when they come back is. Uh, is Montgomery is a little more prudent about giving because he's talked about this, giving guys off back to back, uh, resting, you know, in game two when it's a three and four. I, I think that that's going to be a real algebraic equation for him to figure out here, because uh, if you're not going to go out and get more bodies and and th- so far their success speaks that that's not a desperate situation, but I think it is going to be whatever it is, time management, maintenance. What's, what's the NBA word load, load management. I I think that's, that's going to be critical down the stretch. I have to touch back quickly going back to Harry airing you out. There was a road trip. I remember that went from Phoenix to Chicago and you were the coach and you gave them, (laughs) you gave them, do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't remember this, but I'm sure I will when you tell me a little yeah, more. Yeah, well, you gave them the extra day in, in Arizona. It was beautiful as Arizona is, you know, beautiful weather and <laughs> camelback and it's Scottsdale and everybody's fat and happy. And then we get into Chicago and your guys got whacked like eight to one. Yeah, I remember. I do remember that. Yeah, Tom Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Johnson in the old press box, Chicago Stadium. I'm telling you, his bow tie was spinning like a like an airplane propeller. That the, <laughs> You guys got smart. Oh yeah, well, you know, but it does. It it does. Uh, Tom Tom invested so much time and energy into the team, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. I mean, every time I saw him, he was in the hotel lobby, kind of looking for trouble, or he was at the hotel bar with a cigar. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I I, th- I thought of TJ that on the on the most recent trip to to. Uh, to uh, Montreal because it's still the same hotel, which is the Marriott Chateau Champlain, which is next to the rink now. And, uh, or the rink is now next to it, I should say, better said. And Johnson used to hold court, as you remember, in that lobby. Oh, yeah. Smoking that cigar and you could you could see this. Well, of course, now you can't smoke a cigar anywhere and the hotel has been made over. But I, I do. Yeah, know. well, it had to be made over for a while. There, Everybody was so ticked off to go to that hotel because they had single beds. 
They were just yeah. single beds yeah. for the these big hockey players getting in there, and they, they all had single beds. But he, because he got the imperial suite, there's no way we were changing <laughs> hotels at that time. So, <laughs> yeah, I remember he and Doug Harvey having drinks at the bar and lots of drinks at the yeah. bar. But listen, let me go back to the team for one second because yeah. I had a note here. Pavel yeah. Zaka, what what is he for you? He's a tweener. I'm I'm not I'm not convinced. Ultimately, he'll he'll live or die, I think, in their eyes. And the contract value here being whether he can be a legitimate number one or two center. Certainly, he was drafted that way. He had those bona fides coming up, and he was drafted and projected that way. Uh, concerns me that New Jersey let him go, and I know you know money's always a factor in this for what they let him go for. Holla. Um, who has been a good player for them. I shouldn't diminish his value. He's been a good player for them on, on face-offs. So we'll see. Uh, he's had, he's had, <laughs> he signed the deal and he, and he got, he got a little offensive um, uh, jump there with, with some goal scoring. So yeah, well, he had some pretty good players to play with. Too. Yeah, that's you, think right. he, you think he can become, because he has played center, a second line center when Krejci goes? Well, that's where they're whole. And, that, and that's how they're paying him. Uh, but but to be quite frank, uh, that's how they're paying Charlie Coyle too, and and I don't think Charlie Coyle. I think Charlie Coyle is a perfect number three center, just uh, overpaid. Yeah, yeah, he is, and, and and which is as you know in this organization that is a rarity. Uh, but they they get good value. It's not it's not like it's ridiculous money. They no, get, no, they, no. And I'm a char. I'm like you. He's the perfect. He's one of the, if not the best, one of the top three best third line centers in the league. Yeah, uh, and, and he can spot up higher if you got to spot him up for a couple of games. Okay, but that, I I also think that might be what our end assessment is going to be on Zaka that he's not really a top six center. Uh, yeah, he might be a top six center, but not in a championship caliber team. Right, right, right. And um, and also, you know, tough acts to follow, right? You, you were asking asking him, is he going to be a successor to Bergeron Krejci? Boy, two pretty good players, 2,000-game players for an organization. And I think that the latter one, Krejci, undervalued, by, at least by the fandom, uh, for, for the length of his career here. Um. Let's take take a quick spin around the conference with me just quickly. You saw all these three teams that they played. I don't know if Florida's going to get their act together. I'm not too worried about them. Is Tampa going to rise again to be a formidable foe? I think so. I, I, I you know, and, and especially when you're comparing those two, I'll, I'll take Cooper over Maurice day and night, day and night on coaching. Uh, and I, and I'm sure it wouldn't be a popular opinion among Florida management right now, but I, you know, I think they've got a question: Did they hire the right coach there? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think Cooper's a terrific coach. He has the best goalie in the game. Uh, Hedman's what top three of anybody's list? Yeah, Kucherov's not not too shabby either. Right. Point. Yeah. So I mean, even after having had to divest themselves of some some good talent because of money they still seem to have a core that can can get it done yeah no do they, do they scare that. you more than say the rangers or toronto or carolina carolina impresses me um out of that bunch and and i might be underselling toronto here but and it's, this isn't just because it's the team i just saw in you know 
they they play a good, honest, solid game as of course you you would expect with Brenda Moore behind the bench. Um, they're fast. They're young. I did you love that finish on Jarvis's backhand roof job? Yeah, yeah. God, that was gorgeous. So uh, Burns is old. It's not even older. He's old, but boy, he's a he is one hell of a talent. So they they've got a real nice mix there of youth. The question being. Uh, that probably would have felt differently about this if Pat Gioretti hadn't been hurt. Right. Is do they really have the, from a scoring standpoint, do they really have that playoff moxie that you've got to have to to, to deliver that goal from the forwards when it's needed? Uh, and that would be a question mark for me. But out, out of that bunch, yeah, there's a lot to like about Toronto, uh, except I still don't know about their goaltending. But when you when you look at Tampa's goaltending and Carolina's youth and spunk, uh, to me those those are the biggest two threats. Um, well, you didn't mention the Rangers. I mean, they 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 started off poorly. They've come around. They have, and they have been linked to a number of trades. I think they know they have to do something at the deadline. But I, I, they still would if they can pick up Patrick Kane, and I, I would trade either one. I mean, I know they're only twenty-one, Kako and Lafreniere, but I would trade either one of them for Kane right now, because I've seen enough to think that they're not going to be certainly not going to be, you know, generational players. Even though they were both picked number one overall, right? Uh, and right. I think another dynamic winger is going to make a big change for the New York Rangers. Yeah. That that's very interesting, and that's another one that makes me go oof, because, uh, I, I, you know they're they're are both very young, Kako and Lafreniere. Uh, have I seen enough? I certainly I haven't seen enough. Those are those day to day assessments. I I would have confidence if Drury made that deal. Then I would have confidence to believe that he doesn't think either of them or wh- whichever one he would deal away would be able to get there. But yeah, if 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 I'm mean, the Rangers, because that is their missing piece. They've got one of the great young defensemen in the game. You know, Shesterkin in terms of goaltending, excellent. Yeah, Trub is an excellent defenseman. Yeah. And what they haven't done of late, or well, yeah, of late, particularly, and Kreider is tied to this directly, is they haven't scored on the power play. Uh, and and so which, they, yeah, that was that was insane how that's flipped around. Right, but, but it's, 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 I think they'll get it back. Let's switch quick switch to the Western Conference. Colorado going to get their act together and be a, a threat again? Yeah, I think so. Of late, they've been better. They've got they had they've got those key injuries. I, I guess that I guess they'll all be back. There's a question there. Uh, I I don't I like know about, I don't know about their goaltending in terms of feeling confident about it, but they're they're a real good team. Uh, yeah, you know, well, I'd really like to see somebody, but you know, I just can't get excited about Dallas and Winnipeg at the top of the conference. No, I mean they're good. They're obviously playing well, and Vegas now is taking a bit of a nosedive. But uh, I think the one that would scare me, as I look at it from opponent's standpoint, still would be would be Colorado because of its explosiveness. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount Vegas. Uh, and I'm not saying that just be, just because that they've, they've dipped here uh, is that uh, 
is we still haven't seen the best from Eichel. Now, will we see the best from Eichel? <laughs> There's a lot of people in Buffalo still asking that. Um, but I think if we got to see that and, you know, fully healthy in stride and the rest of it, I, I, I still think they can be a bigger force than maybe maybe you'd make them out to be. Uh, you know, Colorado, obviously, the defending cup champ, all of that. I, I, I would not have going in at the moment great confidence in either Winnipeg or Dallas. Okay. Two last questions. Does Buffalo make the playoffs? Oh, I, you know, I hope so. I, I'm really pleased to see that they, they're, they're, they're playing this well. Um, they're fun to watch. Uh, they, they finally, some of these kids are growing up for them. Um, will they get there? I, I, you got to pick. You got to pick somebody to tank out of this picture, and I guess the, the, the most logical ones would be Pittsburgh or Washington. Uh, and do I think they're better than either of those teams at the moment? I don't. Uh, but stranger things have happened, and it could very well come down to: is there a key injury or two uh, on the Pittsburgh Washington side that that allows, if you will, uh, uh, Buffalo to slip in there? I, I'd like. I, I'd like it for. A fan, a, a fan base that's suffered way too long, uh, suffered some foolish moves on the parts of management and ownership, and right now it feels like it's going the right way. Okay, last question. I know you got plenty of options. Where are you going for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'm just going to get out there and walk until I find something that kind of catches my eye. I've got nothing, nothing planned, but plenty of good steakhouses, barbarians. Yeah. Give it a whirl. It's a great town. I I don't know how much Boston Boston area people think of it, but it's 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 so multicultural and there's so much diversity here that you almost can't go wrong. So yeah, it's it's I I, I kind of like to take that approach. Just get out and stumble into what you like. <laughs> yeah. I, usually I stumble home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. Thanks a million for joining us. Have a good trip in Toronto. Hope you have a good game up there. And uh, oh yeah, one last thing, Bobby Hull. I saw your yeah. piece. You were yeah. uh, fair and balanced, I guess is the right word. He was not a perfect man. He was a great player, but he had some flaws that you, I think, had pointed out. Yeah. And, uh, and some big you know, flaws. We, we all yeah. have flaws, but the, he, he had some aggravated flaws in terms of domestic abuse, violence, uh, some ridiculous statements that he made that, you know, probably, probably all of those. And all of those somehow relate to alcohol, uh, which, you know, it's it, it. So if you look at him from the prism or lens of as a player, man, what a force. And yeah. And you know what? I'll, I'll never forget the picture of him in Time magazine pitching. Hey, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. a it was just, you know, the picture of youth, but a great player. And uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah. And may you have a good dinner yourself and rest in peace for the night anyway. <laughs> right, right. Thanks for including me as always. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it.